From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast featuring in-depth one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you, Tatum. For our guest today, let's welcome Jan Shields, nurse and inventor who has lived and worked in Michigan, Maui, and San Diego as a chief executive officer with a demonstrated history of working in the medical device industry. Jan is also an inventor of neonatal products and equipment worldwide. She's worked at Maui's State Hospital and an advocate for competing hospital, Malulani, on the island. For more information, feel free to visit sunshinerainbows.com. Again, sunshinerainbows.com. Hello, Jan. Welcome to The Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for being here. We're, we're really honored. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Jan, we like to start our show off with a a quote or a mantra or even a prayer for um, what means much to you and that kind of guides you through your day or through, you know, any of your trials and tribulations or even inspirations. You have a, I know you talked about one. I'd love to hear it again. Well, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes. So there's no porch sitting here on the Entrepreneur Show. Most of us, if there's even a porch. (laughs) But anyway, that's great. What made that mean so much to you? Well, you know, sometimes many of us will just be afraid to take something on. We'll see something that needs doing. We'll see a problem. And basically, it's kind of a no fear. It's kind of a... If others can do it, I can do it too. And it's just an okay to try something, invent something, run for office, whatever. Wow. Can you share with all those parts, and we'll take it from the inventing part, what inspired you and when did you know that you uh, were inventing things specifically for the uh, neonatal care? Well, I was a veterinary technician for many years. I taught veterinary anesthesia over at Michigan State University. And I then decided to go into nursing for multiple reasons. And I got my nursing degree and entered over a hospital in Detroit, St. John's Hospital. And in veterinary medicine, we had tools that we needed. And I go into neonatal, which has only really been a thing since mid-70s, right? Before then, it wasn't really much of a department of science or anything. So now they're in the mid-90s, and these nurses are making all sorts of equipment. They're very creative, but they don't have the time to be making equipment that they need. So I started calling around, found a company here in California, Neotech Products, and I started working with them and redesigning a lot of their products. Like I would say, I was looking for phototherapy shades to block the baby's eyes from the phototherapy lights. And they said, well, we have something. It doesn't really work. And I said, send it to me. I'll tell you what needs changing. And then you have a product to sell and I have something to use. So we did that and went round and round and they made it my way and it was great. And then we went on an umbilical line holder. We put lines into the baby's umbilical vein and and artery, but we needed something to hold it in and worked on that, worked on something that this one I made is um, something to hold the oxygen in their nose on the sides because these little tiny babies, they're tiny. They may be one, two pounds, but they can grab that oxygen out of their nose. 
so I was helping them and, and they were helping me and it was great. And then my daughter had to go to college, which is very expensive. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, guys, I've got something I want you to do for me, but I think I'll take royalties on this one. And a lot of back and forth. And I made the neolids, which are electrodes that actually stay on the babies. And what had happened is I had a baby who was coding and you know, we've got respiratory therapy and the doctors and the nurses, everybody around the bed, everybody gravitates over to the baby that you have that's coding or vice versa. And I couldn't even get near the baby and an electrode fell off. So I don't know what this baby's heart's doing. And I'm crawling underneath the warmer and plugging in chest tubes. And I'm like, oh, this just cannot happen. So I made one, I designed it, designed everything about it that was a problem with regular cheap electrodes on the market, and they made it. We worked together back and forth designing it, and it's a thing of beauty. And it morphed into, gosh, five or so more products, too. That's terrific, Jan. Now, talk about, that's the uh, inventive side. How about the administrative side, the the, um, the hospitals that you work with, especially there, I think, if I'm not incorrect, is it that they were number, ranked number one or top five in the nation? As far as the hospital that you work with in Detroit, where you came from, that you just, it was just extremely well run. Oh, it was. It was actually, it was a Catholic hospital. And I was amazed at how much I learned. And we did everything right. And policies and procedures were important. And the nurses were on different teams. And I was on policy and procedures. And I ended up being on a skin committee because that was a, it's a big thing in neonates. Their skin's not mature. And I just learned so much, which was amazing until I moved many years later to Maui. And we'll segue into Maui because my family is from Maui. Yeah. It would seem to me rather simple is to take, if you don't have the best care or best anything, to just replicate, copy, or use as a model something that really is successful and works for so many people and just import import it i don't know whatever the word is i'm saying but use it until you come up with something that has your own flair and your own style what was your experience there in maui and then how can you relate that to coming from the top hospital well st john's was so good and it became so good for kind of a rough reason and that is if you don't keep the baby alive you have to do bereavement care i'm not even going to get into how horrible that is so Everybody kept keeping the baby alive till the next shift and keeping the baby alive to the next shift. And then we just kept keeping babies alive. I go over to Maui. I decide that what a beautiful place and that's where I belong. Detroit just wasn't for me. And so I actually, I'm going over, I'm in Honolulu and a, somebody, nice lady accidentally kicks over my briefcase. We get chatting. She's an OB doctor and I don't know how the subject came up and, um, she says, wait, you're a NICU nurse? And I said, yeah. And she says, you want a job? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> she makes a phone call over to Maui Memorial and I am hired. <laughs> oh my so it was, it was a huge culture shock, huge culture shock going there because it's an island. I live in a great big city in Detroit, right? And I metro Detroit and I go over to this island and everybody knows everything. I'm like, okay, I have a lot to learn here. But I went into the hospital and they didn't have a NICU. They still do not have a NICU. I'm still fighting them on it. Yes. And so everybody knows everything about you. I get a phone call from a lawyer the first day asking me to be a, a legal witness in a case. And, and although he was right, 
a baby had died needlessly. I wouldn't testify because it wasn't the fault of the doctor or the nurse. It was the fault of the government-run hospital care who did not train these people. They ran 13 hospitals. They still have government-run hospitals over there. And like anything else the government runs, it's not done well. Sorry. (laughs) If I offend anybody, fucking government workers. (laughs) But it wasn't their fault. And so I wouldn't testify against the nurses or the doctors. Uh -uh. It was was the fault of the hospital system. And so I waited until I was there three. It's a union place. I waited. I was there three months, knowing I could lose my job over this only hospital. And I did a huge expose in in the Maui News, like a quarter page expose of what was going on which got me a lot of fans in the hospital management. Oh, well. But, you know, the nurses, they taught me all sorts of things. And, but the bad thing was, like, for example, one day we had 27-week twins born. And there's like me and two pediatricians. Well, they were sick. They needed help. They needed IVs. They needed blood pressure medication. They needed antibiotics. They needed everything. So the doctor, the pediatrician goes down and sits at the desk. I'm like, could you at least come and write the orders for what I'm doing? Because this is my license on the line. So I'd, I'd grab what I needed and then I'd grab duplicate. And there was five nurses that worked at my memorial and the other baby. And they would just watch what I was doing because unfortunately, I intimidated them and I so didn't mean to. They had plenty to teach me, but they were very insecure because they knew how much I knew. And so I'd give, I'd throw them all the supplies they needed and they would do exactly what I was doing. But it was bad. You need a neonatologist because here I am administering a drug called dopamine and she's ordering 500 times the dose. And I'm like, no, I need you to do it this way. Here's how you do it. And she goes, well, just give whatever you want. It's like, no, I'm not always going to be here. You need to learn this. You know, I'm not the doctor. I'm the nurse. And it was very frustrating. And we had, what they would do is ship these babies over to Oahu, which is they still do. And one day I had a kid so sick and the transport team was coming in, but a little boy over on the big island, Hawaii Island, got hit by a car. Well, that then put me behind him with the transport team. And this is not good because this kid needed immediate care. When you have a NICU baby, you need to be cared for just immediately, just immediately. There's not a golden hour, it's a golden minute. And so a lot of problems, a lot of problems. If the baby's well, everything's good, the aloha spirit's there, it's just bad. This is an excellent uh, interview. We'll we'll return to it uh, in a moment. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and podcast on KZSU, Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Jan Shields, nurse and inventor. For more information, feel free to visit sunshineinrainbows.com. That's sunshinerainbows.com. Jan, as a carry on, please about uh, your experience there with the uh, the child going to Oahu. Everyone needs to go to Oahu. Right. And if you know that mom's in trouble, you can ship the baby in mom. But say you live back in Hana, where it's, for those who don't know Maui, it's, it's a rainforest. It's 50 miles away, maybe from the hospital, but it's all roads that go around mountains. And they're not getting the care they need. And the hospital 
in general was just bad. Everybody was doing what they could, but it wasn't enough. We didn't have the training. We didn't have the equipment. The hospital was way back when the missionary nurses were, were treating people. And we didn't have the education. And try as I might, I find out that it's a political problem. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I start working with this Dr. Ron Kwan, who's just an excellent, excellent doctor. He is over at at Massachusetts General now because he he couldn't deal with it anymore, the politics. And I brought up to him that I discovered it was our own senators blocking this hospital. So why they were doing that is because they built all the hospitals on Oahu, right? So there's if the Oahu hospitals, there's too many of them just for Oahu, they need Maui and Hawaii patients and Kauai patients to be shipped to them in order to keep their income going. And also the other government hospitals would take the money from Maui. Maui did make money. That was a lucrative hospital despite its shortcomings, but that money would be taken from them. One day there were no drugs in the ER because there was no money to buy any because the other hospitals had gotten our income. So they would go to the ER. They're giving you a prescription for Walmart to get it filled the next day. So... (laughs) Yeah, not cool. <laughs> we could go on about this. I could tell you some stories that would curl your hair, but nonetheless. <laughs> I don't have it my hair. It would curl your hair anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is a beyond fascinating. Has there ever been a, anyone tried to quantify the lives lost or seriously damaged because of this archaic system? Oh, yes, absolutely. I quantified it in the paper. I mean, the Maui News never sold more papers <laughs> because they, I use that for a voice, right? It's the newspaper of the small town. And also I had Hawaii reporter with Malia Zimmerman, editor of that one. And I'd give her a call. It was on her program and she'd spread the word on Oahu. And the deeper I dug, the more I saw the problems. We definitely have enough babies to run a NICU on Maui. There's at this point about 12 a day that would be in that NICU. 12 a day? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't, you know, you think about it. They don't just go in and go home. They go in and average length of stay 20 days, depending, you know. And if you go in and you're 24 weeker and you don't leave till you're 40 weeks, you know, a lot of time. So, so anyways, yeah, I ended up going to work for Kaiser in Oahu just because I was afraid of losing my license, you know, having to do too much. And, I don't know if that was a good thing. Maybe I should have stuck it out in Maui Memorial. But I worked for Kaiser, and I found out a huge fact. They don't want a NICU on Maui because all the Maui people buy Kaiser insurance so they can fly to the big island to get good care. They know the hospital's no good there, along with Hawaii Island, which we're closer to. If we have a good hospital, Hawaii Island may fly to Maui or want their own, and they should have their own. So it's all about money. It's all about money. And it's very sad. So the hospitals over there donate to the politicians who block a private hospital on Maui. I kept throwing a fit. I ended up having a 4,000-person following group uh, called AIM, Association for Improved Healthcare on Maui. And we all fought together for a hospital, for a real hospital, not a government hospital. Government hospitals are horrible, (laughs) especially like they're the only game in town. This is so not good. Competition is so needed in medical industry. So... I go over there working at Kaiser and I find all this out and I'm getting my own people from Maui coming into Kaiser. I'd fly over in this little uh, six-seater airplane and work for three days and fly back. And uh, eventually my boss found out I was on a little station they have there with Malia Zimmerman and they caught the interview 
And she said, you can't do this. She called me into her office. She says, I'm, I'm a single mom. And she says, if you keep doing this and you get a NICU on Maui, I'll lose my job. And oh my God, Tom, I just sat there shocked. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking of all the moms, the single moms on Maui who lost their baby. Absolutely. You know, it's not okay. And so she says, you can't do this anymore. So then I was on the front page of the newspaper one day. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I was over on Maui, I wasn't working. And she called me up and she said, you can quit now. And I'm like, all right, you know, but they were silly because then I had full time to work on this. They should have kept me busy with all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> I get it. Totally. Yeah. So anyways, this group formed and we were fighting tooth and nail. And when I figured out that it was the politicians in our island itself blocking it, I ended up running for office for state senate. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, you know, if you can't run with the big dogs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, stay on the stay porch. On the <laughs> yes. And all these 4,000 people turned into my supporters. You know, I should have never come close. I should have been. This was the Ways and Means senator I ran against. She's the most powerful senator in the state. And I should have never even been a fly on her windshield. I'm a but nurse. you were. I nearly won. We did not know till midnight who was going to win. Then she outspent me. Oh, I don't know. She spent 600000 and I spent about... 60,000. <laughs> so, yeah, they lied about me at the last minute. And then the union at the hospital told everybody they had a vote and they had a vote against me and that they would know if they didn't. So that's incredible. Yeah. This is the Entrepreneurs Radio Show and Podcast and KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our public service announcement is Save the Storks. Save the Storks started in the Bronx with a one van that inspired some visionary questions. What if there is a way to reach abortion-vulnerable women right now where they are, right where they live and work? What if there were people who love these women enough to invest their time in providing the care and resources needed to truly give them the freedom to choose? For more information, feel free to go to SaveTheStorks.com. Again, SaveTheStorks.com. Jan, can you share with us why Save the Storks means so much to you? Well, for 26 or however many years I've been working to save babies' lives, this charity really strikes a chord with me. It's just amazing that they don't just say, point their finger at women and say, do this, don't get an abortion. But then these women are getting an abortion because they're alone. Maybe they don't have resources. God knows what. Don't just point your finger and tell somebody and should all over them. Go ahead and help them if that's what you're meaning. Give them a, a place to stay. Help them out with money. Help them out with all this, the resources they need. If it's adoption, if it's whatever. And that's what they do. Thank you. Jan, again, running for a state senator, was that something you ever aspired to or was it more, it sounded like necessity, unless I'm incorrect? Well, not to be rude, but my nurses are way up here and people on the radio can't see me, but I'm holding my hand very high. My nurses are top notch, top drawer and politicians. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I love that. Yeah. There's, there's about 10% of politicians that were both good and therefore everybody's got an agenda. I did too. Mine was the hospital. But there's about 10% who are both smart and good and have a good agenda. And the rest of them, uh, not so much. <laughs> so, so no. And then when they called me a politician, I was most offended. I said, please call me a nurse. <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, as they should be. Also, how is it? Um, I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning here for our audience wants to recall. Is it if you have a system or a function and it's ineffective 
at best. It makes sense to find who is the most effective and efficient at doing this and replicate or model what that program or system is. And then, of course, add your own flair, your own personality, your own values to it. But at least you take an existing organization or company and replicate and model that. Why is it so difficult for Maui to do that other than some of the things that you've shared? But if you can kind of summarize it, why would it be so difficult to just replicate that and say, okay, guess what? We went from I'll use a football terminology. We went from worst to first. Last year, we were the worst in the league. This year, we won a whole title. How does one go about doing that? I know it's kind of a big question, but if if you can share your insight. So, you know, Tom, it's pretty simple. It's about medical tourism. Medical tourism is extremely lucrative. And even although it's within the island chain, everybody has to go to Oahu for good care. And if you're sick and you're on an island away from your ohana, your family, it's not good. If you have a sick baby and you're dealing with that yourself, maybe losing your job because you can't go to that too. Your husband's got to watch the other kids. It's a nightmare. It's all about money. It's about medical tourism in this particular case and about government health care. And a lot of people had their hands in that pot too. Wasn't all of, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So we did eventually get Hawaii Pacific Health to buy the hospital. Although at the last minute when Kaiser saw the sale was going to go through, Kaiser swept in and bought the hospital out from under him. And that wasn't good. Kaiser can build a beautiful hospital. Kaiser can do wonderful care. It's just in this case, they don't really want to. They've got $600 million hospitals sitting on Oahu. So they've made improvements, according to my friends on the island. It's as bad as it ever was. I don't know if that's true. I've tried to meet with them. Next time I can get back on island after this pandemic, I'm going to try and meet with the head of them. I've reached out. They obviously know who I am and not too happy with meeting me, but I'm not going away. (laughs) (laughs) They might as well meet with me (laughs) and give me what I want and then we'll all be happy. (laughs) You know, so it's, it's sadly about money and they could do it. They've got a hospital here. It's fabulous in San Diego. It's beautiful. Kaiser has kind of a different model. They're a business first and medical center last. That's second. Yeah. So, Maybe that's what we need on Maui. I don't know because it is a difficult place to run uh, a business, uh, a hospital. So it can be done, though. And Kaiser could do it. And eventually they will when they get sick of me. <laughs> yeah. And you and, and your AIM. Is it AIM on Maui? Is that, is that uh, AIM, Yeah. AIM is, is not really up and running right now. Although the same followers are there. I'm still there. You know, we're still working on it. Okay. I'm going to circle back to one of the physicians you talked that he couldn't deal with uh, the problems anymore before we close up our show and see try to bring some relevance to tie everything together. How also would we you get the physicians who would feel uh, comfortable and excited to be a part of this without having to do what he did, which is, look, there's just too much going on outside of, uh, of my practice to stay here. How could you get the physicians and the nurses to say, this is place where I want to go. This is where I want to be because it's run this well. Is there a kind of a plan? I mean, I know you can't do it in a few minutes, but just kind of summarize how that can happen. Well, Dr. Kwan's just an amazing, amazing man, Harvard educated local boy. And he said, I'm in this to be a medical doctor. That's what I do. I don't want to get involved in the politics. And, you know, you grow up on Maui, your heart's on Maui. You know, maybe he'll retire back there. Maybe not. If there's not a good hospital, of course. But it's not a problem. I had doctors all over the world because if you were Googling Maui Hospital, you'd come up with me. 
And <laughs> so they're all calling me, sending me their resumes and they want to go there. It's, it's so wonderful. It's, it's just, it's a wonderful place to be. And if they decided to pay people's, their medical or their um, education loans, easy. Okay, come here. They do that in Alaska. And if the politicians would go after the government money, you know, there's tribes that get money for health care. Well, Maui, these are locals, put them in the same category. And then they could get health care. They, you know, they did get a uh, University of Hawaii started a college on Maui and educating nurses. So that's good. People want to go there. The cost of living is the other thing that's an issue. Very expensive to live there. And but they could build hospital housing. It's all doable. It's all doable for the right price. And I'm pretty sure that we could get federal dollars for this. It's a matter of wanting to do it and wanting to put the resources on Maui, which they're going to have to do. Maui continues to grow. Jan, what would you like to add for your listeners today that we may not have discussed? Well, maybe something on the inventing. So many people look at something I've invented. I've there's mentioned a handful. And they'll say, oh, I thought of that years ago. Don't stay on the porch. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Just go for it. If you know, if you're at the bedside and you're a nurse and you know that this is annoying you, be sure that it's annoying everybody else, all the other nurses. Go for it and make it and go go to a patent attorney and go for it. Invent it. Jan, it's been an honor and pleasure having you today. I hope you return. I'd love to have you uh, back sometime real soon if you're interested. Oh, sure. Sure, of course. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Jan Shields, nurse and inventor who's lived and worked in Michigan, Maui, and San Diego as Chief Executive Officer. With a demonstrated history of working in the medical device industry, Jan is also an inventor of neonatal products and equipment sold worldwide. She's also worked at Maui State Hospital and an advocate for a competing hospital, Malolani on the island and an advocate for an island neonatal care hospital of Maui. For more information, feel free to visit sunshinerainbows.com. Again, sunshinerainbows.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dior. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. 